For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is happening, gang? We have got an action-packed episode of the Inside Football Podcast for you today. And today's episode, much has been made in the last few weeks about the quarterback carousel in the NFL, much. But what we wanted to do was really take a look at one of the specific stops on the quarterback carousel and take a look and get Bill's perspective on the implications of the Deshaun Watson deal. And obviously, there's been much, much, much going on around Deshaun Watson, but we wanted to talk about it strictly from a football dollars and cents standpoint, in the sense that we're entering a phase in the NFL that's truly uncharted from Bill's early days in the league of developing the collective bargaining agreement and what it means now to have guaranteed contracts, fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL. And we get Bill's unique perspective in terms of all the different ramifications that could have from what impact that could have on future labor deals, what impact that could have in the locker room, what impact that could have in terms of how owners feel about Jimmy Haslam and other owners in the league who are making these kinds of deals. And then ultimately, we get Bill's breakdown on some of why this could happen and then also what were some of the building block steps in Houston that allowed a deal like this to happen and the significance of players having the ability to put no trade clauses into their contracts. And then we get Rick's kind of unique perspective from an agent side of, you know, what does it mean from an agent to actually go out and try to leverage and get the most resource that he possibly can for his client. But before we dive into today's show, I want to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Podcorn. We use Podcorn to leverage and land ads every week on the show. It's a great way to get the word out about your brand. It's a phenomenal way to have brands find out about what you're doing. We strongly, strongly, strongly recommend you if you're in the podcast space or if you're a brand trying to develop uh, marketing and advertising in the podcast world, Podcorn is your number one stop and marketplace for all your ads. It's super simple to use. It's ideal for companies looking to spread the word to unique targeted audiences on podcasts. All right. That is kind of the setup for this week. Without any further ado, this is the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian, and this is our look at the implications of the Deshaun Watson deal and the ramifications it will have on the rest of the league and potentially CBAs moving forward. All right, before we dive into today's show, I wanted to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball takes center stage and the tournament is finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50%. That's right, a 50% 
50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all your favorite sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, well, this week we are super jacked to jump on the quarterback carousel here on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian. This, this carousel was not the carousel that we thought it was going to be last year, but it's certainly been this year. And we wanted to stop on one place in particular. We wanted to stop on Deshaun Watson because I think this deal has ramifications well beyond what you see on the field and more so in sort of the economics of the game. So how are we doing today, gang? Doing fine, thank you. Doing well. Doing great. Let's have it, Bill. All right, so Bill, why do we need to be so concerned with this deal? Okay. The reason we need to be very concerned about this deal is because it is 100%, as I understand it, fully guaranteed. Which means that if the player is hurt, he gets 100% of his salary. If he runs afoul of the law, as he already has, and at least uh, peripherally, he gets 100% of his salary. If he violates the league rules, uh, aside from a, a, a fine against his paragraph five salary, which is a very small amount, uh, he gets uh, his full pay. Now, why would anyone care? Well, in, in order to explain that, I got to go back and give you the history. In 1978, um, the management council of the NFL, which was then run by a man named Jack Donlin and, and, and largely supervised by Hugh Culverhouse, the um, owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which was at the time the, had the worst record of any franchise in professional sports, much less the NFL, um, were at war with the NFL Players Association. The Players Association was fighting for free agency and and Culverhouse and Donlin were going to go down in flames before they gave it to him. So they created something called replacement players, locked the players out, brought in replacement players. Oh, the players went on strike, excuse me, brought in repla- uh, replacement players in 87. And, um, and that was a black eye on the NFL. It was disgraceful football. They, they won a Pyrrhic victory because some players did cross the, the picket lines, but um, it, it, it was just a bad look, and, and fans rejected it out of hand. There were empty stadiums and, and, and nothing but scorn for it. Um, the Players Association responded by going to court. Um, they went all the way to the Supreme Court and, uh, and in federal district court in Minneapolis. Um, they effectively uh, won the right um, to claim that they were going to win the case. Judge Doty, who was the, the judge at the time, said, um, you know, I, I've made my decision and neither side is going to like it. So you guys better go back to the bargaining table and see if you can come up with something. Um, otherwise, you're not going to like what I come up with. So Donald uh, had been succeeded um, at that time by Commissioner Tagliabue. Culver House was out of power. Commissioner Tagliabue had taken control of the labor operations. And as a result, he wanted an agreement. He wanted a fair agreement. He wanted a partnership with the players. In the end, negotiating from 19, 
89 to 93, and I was one of the negotiators along with George Young, the general manager of the Giants, Steve Gutman, the president of the uh, New York Jets, and Jim Irsay, then the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. We put together a collective bargaining agreement, which gave the players a, a watershed agreement. It gave them free agency after four years, which was the lowest service time of any sport. It gave them the floor that the owners promised that they would uh, pay every year a certain amount of money, 90% of the cap essentially uh, in a given year um, to the players. Uh, they, they, they won the right um, to go into the marketplace completely free and, and get whatever they could get in the open market. Um, the owners essentially got one franchise tag, which allowed the Buffalo Bills, for example, with whom I was uh, then the general manager, um, to keep Jim Kelly on a one-year deal fully guaranteed. Um, and they created a structure where the cap prevented one wealthy team or two wealthy teams or three wealthy teams, the most notable of which was the San Francisco 49ers, from buying up all of the good players in the league and creating what what baseball then had, which was a hierarchy, hierarchy of teams uh, who could spend and spend and others who could not, the haves and the have-nots. Big market, small market. We still have that in baseball today, by the way, with the Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers. Yep. Um, so it was a huge victory for um, the, the, the Players Association. The only thing the owners got was the cap, which basically allowed every team to be competitive because it prevented one team or two teams or three teams from buying up all the talent. And secondly, it allowed players for, from small market teams to make big money because the big market teams couldn't buy everybody up. Right. One thing they didn't get was the right to have 100% of their contract guaranteed, which, by the way, at that time, and I believe at this time, does not exist in the baseball or basketball collective bargaining agreements either. Uh, and we made sure as an industry that we would never go there because football with 53 players with its high injury rate, all you have to do is think about, let's say a $200 million salary cap. You got five players with guaranteed contracts on a team. We got a problem. Who can't play. And not just in Houston. <laughs> let's call it $10 million per guy. You got $50 million in dead money if they can't play, whether by injury or for any other reason. So that makes that team almost by definition uncompetitive. And we don't want that. That's not the whole purpose of the collective bargaining agreement. It's not what either side agreed to. Now, do I blame the agent in this case? No. And we'll talk more about that in our next segment. But the bottom line is that the agent shouldn't care about anything but his client. So he's going to ask for everything he can get. It's the owner or the owner's negotiator on the other side of the coin who has to say no, no, a thousand times no 
when the agent asks for a fully guaranteed contract because that hamstrings the club in future years without question. It creates a salary hierarchy in the, in the, in the locker room. It causes all kinds of problems, most, the, the most notable of which are that you are stuck with the player and his money because the cap doesn't forgive and it doesn't forget. And if 100% is guaranteed, that 100% is coming on your cap at some point in time. So, Bill, will, will owners be mad with Jimmy Haslam this week or next week at the owners' meetings? They'll be polite, but they'll be mad, yes. Yeah. So this will not. This will be like the scene in Forrest Gump where uh, Forrest comes on the bus and everyone's going, "Seats taken, Jimmy. You're not riding next to me today." <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is this was not a good move for the industry, um, but it's not because of the money. Yeah, it's not because of the money. It's because of the hundred percent guarantee, which is in in my experience has never been done before. Yeah. Of course, that's exacerbated by something we can talk about in the next segment that made it even more, uh, gave even more power to Deshaun Watson and his agent. Exactly. Well, more to come on that front and let this be a lesson. You make mistakes. Maybe owners don't want to sit next to you on a bus. <laughs> owners don't ride buses. All right. Before we dive deeper into this issue, we want to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial flavoring. So what are you waiting for? Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. Some of us on the pod do it. We're not going to name names, but I might be one of them. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit Athletic athleticgreens.com slash believe that's b-l-e-a-v again that's athleticgreens.com slash believe these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration these products are not intended to diagnose treat or cure or prevent any disease but we love athletic greens on the pod all right bill <laughs> we're back into it all right well the fans that are listening to us i can hear them right now saying I don't care about contracts. All I want to do is see the player play. And if I'm a Cleveland Brown fan, all I want to do is have uh, Deshaun Watson play for my team. Well, I understand that. But if Deshaun Watson and let's say five other big-time players on the Cleveland Browns had fully guaranteed contracts, Watson does. If the other uh, five did, uh, and all five got hurt, who replaces them? Right. Can you go out in the open market, make a trade for somebody? Of course not. You don't have capital because uh, there is there is no relief for injury. There is no relief for dead money. So as I explained before, 
if those five players did not play out their contracts and you ended up with $20 million in dead money for each of those five guys in a given year, you got a half the salary cap, half the salary cap in dead money that can't be used. Your, your salary cap is cut in half. Bill, what would so, happen in the scenario where, let's say that did, because this is what I've been thinking about all week. Is there is the CBA going to have to be adjusted if this becomes the norm to in a scenario like that? What if a team is unable to even sign enough veteran free agents at the minimum or uh, undrafted free agents at the minimum to be able to field a roster? I would come back as a character in the football version of Les Mis <laughs> uh, standing on the top of the Bastille and yelling, Forfeiture, forfeiture, forfeiture. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. So, if I mean, you that, manage your yeah. cap that poorly, you should forfeit every damn game. Now, of course, we know that won't happen. Yeah. But that's what you could be looking at. And that's, that's what profligate owners and profligate agents are counting on that when the worst comes to worst, they won't cancel or forfeit the games. Yeah, you know, Bill, I've always thought that, you know, in baseball, other places that when they've tried whatever the mechanism is to stop spending, it's really it's not players. It's owners against owners really saying don't overspend. It's kind of like a serial killer in the movie where they go into the gas station bathroom and scribble on the mirror is stop me before I kill. It's like stop me before I spend, because if exactly what you're saying is right. I mean, that would be the agent's dream where guys are getting the fully guaranteed contracts and you're raising the cap in order to accommodate the ability to keep a squad. I mean, that would be that that, you know, that would change things. It would change things dramatically. Now, the important thing to remember, uh, even for fans who don't care about the money, is that the way the collective bargaining agreement works, the players get some really important stuff. First thing they get is 49% of the revenue. And in unlike basketball and baseball, where there are a ton of other events and ancillary projects like real estate and things like that associated with stadiums that provide the owner's revenue, in football, the stadium is used 10 times a year, maybe 12 if you're lucky enough to get concerts or you have a soccer team or something like that. It's it's used very little. That's one of the reasons that the San Diego Chargers tragically could not get a stadium built in, uh, in San Diego, even though the baseball team did, because the baseball team was going to have 81 dates uh, downtown. The football team has 10. And, and, and so the maximum use it's going to get is 12 or 13. So there's not a lot of extra revenue outside the salary cap. The players basically get all the revenue or get 49% of the revenue in, in, in football. So that's a big thing for the players. And it was a big gift to the owners. The second thing the players got was a floor. And the floor is roughly 85 to 87% of the total salary cap. That means... Sometimes it'll, it'll, it'll go to 90 based upon where the cap is in a given year. And 
So that means that every team must spend that amount of money toward the cap. That means that the players, the middle class players, um, that that player who signs a one year contract to play offensive guard is going to get somewhere between six and eight million dollars. Those guys don't exist in baseball and basketball. There are no middle class players because there's no floor. And so uh, the, 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 a whole generation and class of players who are not stars, but still pretty good, can make a living in the National Football League. That's a big get that, the, that Gene Upshaw got for them. And then finally, they have the right after four years, which is the lowest service time uh, in any sport, to become free agents and go to the marketplace. So they got a lot of things from this collective bargaining agreement. What the owners essentially got way back in 93 and still have today is the draft, which is critically important. And the fact that, that, that they, can, they have labor peace and can go to the television networks and say, listen, if you sign up with us for five years or seven years, mm-hmm. we're not going to have this disrupted by a, slot, by a strike or a lockout as baseball just went through. So that's important for the fans to understand why this is an important subject. Yes, it is the business of football, but it also affects directly the kind of team that that your favorite team can put on the field. And, and so this is why it's so critical to the future. And, and so, yes, it's boring. Yes, let me just see the guy play. Yeah, he's a good player. We want him. Let's win the Super Bowl. And I understand all of that. But none of that can happen if we don't have a system that works. And, and, and the, the original sin here, and I agree with Rick, by the way, he states the agent's position quite well. I'm not mad at the agent. The agent's job is not to worry about the team not to worry about the industry, not to worry about the player's teammates, not to worry about whether what he's paid will hamstring the team in terms of trying to win football games. It's to get the maximum he can for his client. And so the agent is not at fault. He's doing his job. You may not like it as a GM or an owner, but he's doing his job. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to follow up on that bill to say, you know, the other thing I found over the years, in, in the years I was an agent and also at the Players Association is you're so right in what you're saying. But but part of it is, in a sense, fans almost look at their real football team out there like a fantasy team. I mean, they're not t- stopping to say this is a guy playing in the sport with the shortest career. He spent his whole life preparing for this. And he's trying to earn the money to, you know, put a roof over his head and feed his family in a nice way. And this is probably going to be the majority of the money he earns in his whole life. So it's it's not anybody, like you said, trying to go out and sink the system. It, it's just that these are real people. And like all of us, they want to try and go out and earn as much money as they possibly can in their given profession, especially one that's so short. Yes, that's absolutely true. Now, how did this all occur? Well, the original sin was not the guaranteed contract. The original sin 
was that the general manager, then general manager and owner of the Houston Texans, gave Deshaun Watson a contract which had in it a no trade clause. And what that means is that Deshaun Watson, if Houston decided to trade him to a certain franchise, doesn't matter who the franchise was, could reject that trade. He had veto power over that trade. And as a result, Houston, A, had no leverage in trading him, and B, was forced to take a, a, a position last year where they paid him $10 million to simply stay away because they couldn't find any takers for him. So as a result, they paid him all this money, huge guaranteed signing bonus money, et cetera, et cetera, big contract, uh, paid him uh, when he first became eligible for an extension after three years. And, and, but why anyone would give him, uh, uh, having not been to, even been to a Super Bowl, give him uh, a, a no trade agreement is beyond me. So, so Bill, you know, I, you're a hundred percent right on that. Uh, for people who've been listening to the podcast for a long time, Bill always points out that when a player still has contractual years left on his contract, that he's really not in control because the team has the rights. The player can't move. He's stuck there. And if he sits out, as Bill and I know, what happens is the contract is told. So a year doesn't even go by on the contract. So the team still really has all the power. Giving the no trade clause, I, and Bill's the first person I've heard say this, that is exactly what gave Deshaun Watson all the power. But you know what? I always view, Bill, no, no trade clauses. It's really not no trade. It's who am I willing to be traded to? That's when the, so the, so the players... If the player's not wanted there and he doesn't want to be there, you know, he's willing to be traded, but he's going to pick and choose from the from the 32 teams. And that puts the uh, team with these for whom he's playing in an incredibly weakened bargaining position. Well, that's absolutely correct. Um, a no tra- I'm glad you brought it up. A no trade clause is a term of art used in the industry. What it really means is you can't trade me unless I agree to it. Yep. And therefore, you're giving me free agency. I can choose who I go to, even though the collective bargaining agreement doesn't mention it. So why would an owner do that? It is beyond me why you would pay a player all the money that Houston play, uh, uh, paid Deshaun Watson in the first instance, and then turn around after having done that right. and agree to give him free agency if and when they wanted to get rid of him yep. for any number of reasons. The most important being the fact that he now got himself in a lot of trouble. And, and, and we're not going to talk about that on this show because this is not the place for it. We don't know all of the details yet. I'm tired of the speculation about this, that, or the other thing. The league will have an investigation. Um, they'll determine what the suspension might or might not be. And, and, and then we can talk about it because there'll be some, some information that's factual. Right now, we've got, with all due respect, Rick, we've got law- lawyers out there talking, which is uh, <laughs> less than useless. So uh, the, the, the bottom line is, 
why would they give him a no trade clause? And at the time it took place, many of us in the industry were nonplussed by it. We said, why in heaven's name, after paying him all this money, after negotiating early, after doing everything they could to make the player feel wanted and comfortable and rewarded and a valuable member of the team, why in heaven's name would they give him a no trade? And, and it just, it, it boggles my mind. But in any way, event, that is the original sin. That's what, that's what precipitated all of this. But because, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, th- this is what I'm thinking. So like the no trade clause is sort of like, it gets to what I think the big issue here is like foresight. Right. And there's a recency issue with foresight that I don't think anybody's talking about with these guaranteed contracts. What happens if the cap goes down? So let's say we get a redo of what happened in 2020, where, you know, surprise, surprise, because you can't have people in the stadiums, the cap goes down. What happens to Cleveland in the event that, God forbid, COVID or something else happens in the next two or three years, and we get a year where the cap goes back down to 170? They're going to have trouble putting a team together. Well, certainly, if they if they had more than one guaranteed contract, they would. This one would still impinge. Typically, both the owners and the Players Association agree that the cap will not go down precipitously nor increase precipitously. It's called smoothing. And while they negotiate it, they always do it at the last minute like any negotiation, but it always seems to get worked out. So in that case, where no one's at fault, uh, they, they would make sure that it didn't go down enough to impinge upon either the floor or the competitive balance of the league. However, the situation we talked about in the last segment could very well happen if you had a bunch of guaranteed contracts, because then through your own uh, uh, aptitude uh, or, you know, because you paid no attention to the rules um, and just wanted to win, you could get a bunch of players on fully guaranteed contracts And if they all got injured at the same time, which, by the way, tends to happen, particularly among position groups, get one hurt, you usually end up with two or three hurt. Um, Now you'd have difficulty fielding a team. And, And so what would the league do in that situation? You can't reward that kind of ineptitude or chicanery, but you still have to play games. Right. And now... The games are gambled upon knowingly and openly and in stadiums and in stadiums that are publicly funded. Yes. So what in the heck are you going to do about that? So this is a conundrum that that is terrible because now you have every Tom, Dick and Harry agent who at very least, if he has a starting player, who's hitting the open market is going to try and give the general manager a bad migraine headache by coming in and saying in the first instance, I want a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. I mean, part of that is going to be in deference to your client who's demanding it. 
Part of it is in deference to the agent's own ego because he want to be he wants to be seen as a top agent. And part of it is you're thinking about the next guys you're trying to recruit. And if these six or seven guys go out there and consistently get their their guys guarantees and you don't, when you're going head to head with them to compete for guys who are coming out of college, you're going to lose. So there's a lot of pressures on the agent to try and do that. You know, and you again, as Bill's right, he's not looking out for the long run. Bill, the thing I was encouraged by is the thing you said before, though, was that finally, when we had two really great leaders in Paul Tagliabu and Gene Upshaw, they realized that there was so much money to go around if we could just stay together and partner. And you didn't want a collective bargaining agreement that so favored one side or the other that it would do damage to the game. And when they finally did that, the NFL you know, took off, ratings were good, games were better. Look at, look at the competition we have now. So if, you hope it would be solved, if not at the agent uh, team level, to some degree at least, at the Players Association Management Council level. Well, here's the problem. Um, there are a number of problems, but here's the here's the, the most immediate one. Um, you have a situation now where you have a player with a hundred percent guaranteed contract. Right. No sooner no sooner was that contract announced, I don't even think it was signed, so the ink wasn't even applied to it. When I'm told that the agent for Kyler Murray said, yeah, "We want forty, and we want it forty a year, and we want it fully guaranteed." Yep. Yeah. So. Now, every agent is going to demand that. That's going to make negotiations very, very difficult. And what's more important, there is guaranteed money in contracts now. In fact, I often tell people when they read about a contract that's a $150 million contract over five years, hold on, it's really 75 over three or 80 over three. And some portion of that 80 is guaranteed. That's because it's signing bonus or it's roster bonus or something of that nature. That is guaranteed. And we knew that was going to happen. But you have to keep it within a range where the dead money is livable, where it doesn't. When that player fails to honor that contract uh, or, or can't do it anymore, you then in the minute you cut him, what's left in the guaranteed money comes immediately onto the salary cap. So that's called dead money. And, and you have to limit the amount of dead money. And you do that in the negotiations. But if one side starts at 100% and the other side starts at zero, where are you going to end? Right. <laughs> that makes, those, that makes those, those negotiations really, really hard. And, and, you're, and you're, once this happened, now you're driving more and more toward fully guaranteed contracts. Sure. And, and the union, the baseball union, because it's largely led by agents or, or by led, I don't mean uh, legally led, but, but, you know, from a in the Godfather intellectual sense. sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the Godfather sense, they don't care about the middle class. They don't care about the middle class. All they want. The reason the baseball had a lockout was because all the agent wanted, all the agents wanted was the competitive, competitive balance tax raised that which essentially is the, is the salary cap for baseball it's not a cap and it doesn't work well but that but they use it yes all they wanted to, all they wanted was to get that up as high as possible so the stars could make all the money what and i'm sorry go ahead this will have in the locker room in terms of 
would, would this be something that would be an issue in a locker room when you've got certain players who got fully guaranteed contracts and then other players that don't? Well, you anticipated uh, my next point, which is that in a locker room of 53 guys, 40 of whom are really, really important, not fungible by and large, you have to have financial chemistry. And so who among those 40 would you give a 100% guaranteed contract to? The answer George Young, the late George Young would give you, and I will channel him, is no one. Yeah. Peyton Manning never had a 100% fully guaranteed contract. I don't believe that Tom Brady ever had a 100% fully guaranteed contract. Kirk Cousins did because he played on a series of one-year franchise tags, but there was no money attached to that, and he had to renegotiate every year and could have been thrown into into the open market in any given year. Once you decide that one person is more valuable to the franchise than another, you've automatically created a pecking order. And so who's to say that Deshaun Watson, who's never played it down for the Cleveland Cleveland Browns, is more valuable than Chubb, their running back? Miles Garrett. I mean, that's a smart lady. Well, okay. Let me let me challenge this one a little bit, because guarantees aside, which is really a, a, a parallel but different issue. I mean, you do that all the time, Bill. I mean, you pay one, you pay a franchise quarterback twenty five percent of your cap. I mean, you're doing the same thing in the amount of salary you're giving. You're differentiating on a ladder who's the most important to you because how much you give that player. So it's not like there's a quality or egalitarianism, you know, in football throughout the different positions. No one's contending that there is, but if one guy can be cut and the other guy can't, then he's got a separate issue that will will cleave the locker room without question. The the bottom line is that you can't maintain financial chemistry when, as an example, a new player is coming on the team and he's got a fully guaranteed contract. Scott makes the right thing. What about Miles Garrett, who's arguably the best defensive uh, end in the league? All right. Well, here we go. Well, it could have been Moose calling you himself to ask this question, but we have gotten this one a lot from all of Colts Nation. Uh, they just wanted a little bit of the uh, the Hall of Fame perspective on the new QB uh, in Indianapolis. Well, Moose is with the uh, USFL now, so I'm sure he has a different question. But, yeah, um, that's right. The uh, uh, the situation in Indianapolis is great because Matt Ryan is there. Uh, he wanted to go there. He had a long discussion with Frank Reich. They bonded together. Uh, everything is good in Colts land. Now they have to find a, a good backup, but Matt probably has two, maybe three good years left in him. And um, away we go. Go Colts. When he and Carson are kind of the exact opposite of each other, right? Yes. Yes. And there and there may be that may be tied to what happened, Scott. <laughs> yeah. So we will get the here in DC, we're gonna get the excitement that is playing every play, as Pat McAfee said, like it's fourth and twenty and the game is on the line. 
Well, Pat would know. Yeah. <laughs> He's been in a lot of fourth and twenties. That's true. It's <laughs> true. And and on the you win some and you lose a lot. Fourth and twenty. He was very strong. I, I was sort of. It was interesting. He was able to get a question in through one of the uh, equipment managers at Matt Ryan's press conference this week. Bill, I got to ask you this: Have you ever been tempted to use one of the staff people now that you're retired from the Colts to try to get a question in at a player's press conference? Oh no, no, absolutely not. Come on, absolutely you're talking, not. You're talking to Bill Polly, and he does not come on. You know he wouldn't do that. All right. Last, last quick hit before we wrap up for the week, how much of your salary cap should you allocate towards the wide receiver position? Oh boy. Um, I, I just looked at the statistics, but I haven't committed them to memory. Uh, you're probably talking about uh, one wide receiver on every team. Who's a true number one. Uh, and you're probably looking at somewhere in the vicinity of uh, six to 7% on him. So uh, when you get past 25 million uh, in this in this atmosphere, um, you know, you're starting to get into we can't afford it land. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is our show for this week. Thank you, guys. Hope everyone enjoyed it. As always, if you've got questions or want us things to cover here at the end in the quick hits, hit us up on Twitter at IFBillPolian. And a subtle plug for uh, if you're listening to the show and you like it, and every now and again, give us a like, a share, or something to your friends on iTunes. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Listen to the podcast, folks. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.